What's that? Polka? No. The metal. How does it feel to share four letters out of six in your name with such a fucking nerd in the worst kind of way? I am, of course, talking about Varg Vickerness. Oh, you're Vargas, and he's Varg. So remember, there, I dated a girl in college that called you Varg, and it pissed me off because <laughs> it wasn't a reference to uh, the shithead from another country. It was just like how people car- call margaritas Margs. She was calling you Vargs, and it irritated the Christ out of me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is, of course, why I'm atheist now. <laughs> Oh, God, you're just <laughs> full of bits today, huh? Uh, you know, did you see his recent Lord of the Rings uh, comments? Varg made some Lord of the Rings comments? Yeah, he sure did. Uh, and he, I mean, it's basically about how it was perfect casting. And if it was made today, how uh, Gandalf would have been black, Aragorn would have been a woman, but Arwen would have still been a she elf. And I was like, hold on, Varg, I can't stand up right now because that is a love <laughs> scene and a fight scene that I would welcome into my television. Uh, he's just <laughs> making a lot of really, and this is nothing new for metal fans. Uh, we're, we're accustomed to him making some really dumb shit comments uh across his career so but i think it took film twitter by surprise until they realized who and what he is yeah you know when um when i when i look at a movie uh the first thing i think of is um what would a nazi think about this movie uh i really need a nazi's opinion i'd really really like to know what say Richard Spencer has to say about <laughs> the matrix rebooted or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, speaking of rebooted, this is the only heavy metal podcast that does never, n- that has been rebooted because of course we were a college radio show decades ago. It feels like this is the onslaught. I am Brian and I'm Vargas. And technically would we be a spinoff of ourselves? Yeah, we're we are the uh, yeah we're we're the you remember how Joey got his own show that failed hard after Friends? Uh yeah, uh huh. Yeah, that's us. We're yeah we're the Joey of the onslaught from college. I would assume our college selves had actually more listeners that came upon us by accident, accident and happenstance than we have purposeful yeah, listeners now. A lot of folks found us just because they were like, oh, my friend's show is over. What's on next? Yeah, or they just, yeah, they're cleaning their bathroom across the across the room and they don't get to the channel in time. They're like, oh, these fucking guys are back again. Yeah, yeah, they had to sprint across the dorm to turn it off, but they were too slow, so. Yeah. Uh, we apologize for missing last week due to things out of our control. Uh, and you may be wondering why well, you guys, y- you give us so much content and we love you. you. You deserve a break and you're right. We do. Uh, but we're back. It may sound a little different than our usual setup, but those are also due to circumstances out of our control. But next week, everything should be back to sounding normal, sounding fine. I mean, this sounds fine, but, 
you know, I don't know how, how people consume media. So yeah, Varg, Varg talked about Lord of the Rings and we have friend of the show, Ty, uh, quote tweeted him before realizing who it was. And I had to, I had to, <laughs> how did I, I miss to, all this? I had to quickly tell, Oh, I didn't quickly. Cause he found it out himself, but I, I texted him and I said, I, I told him I cackled at his tweet because he was tweeting it just like a bad film take on Twitter. <laughs> And uh, I was like, I was like, if you know anything about Varg, you know he's a f- like his RPG that he's created sounds like a goddamn nightmare to play because you have to like eat every eight hours or whatever the fuck it is. No, no, no. Let's let's talk about this for just a second. H- have you looked into any of the rules? Yeah, and then I fell asleep at my desk. He has he has no exaggeration. It's like a 25 line table for swimming in different kinds of water. God damn. It's, That's it's just... like, Oh, is, is the water slightly moving or is it slowly rushing? Like what the fuck is the difference? Water is water. And if it's not white water, you can swim in it. Yeah, man, I, uh, I I had to roll a constitution save to to not fall asleep, and I failed. <laughs> I failed real hard. And that's yeah, coming Varg's, from Sooner. Varg's rules deal psychic damage. <laughs> yeah, uh, yep, and they lower your hit maximum hit points. When you and I, we, we both play regular D&D. Like, it's not like we're shitting on role-playing games. We're just shitting on his role-playing game because it looks like it would take place uh, they they would turn it away at a homeless shelter i think for people to enjoy yeah and even with you know of course this is coming from varg so there's nazi stuff in there right like <laughs> yeah the, the good people are white the bad people are brown women aren't great all that stuff throw all of that aside from a still rules sucks. standpoint it is bad yeah, just straight up without any of the actual content. Just the rules and gameplay is bad. Correct. And then, you know, Nazi stuff on top of bad. Yeah. I uh, you know, we've I think much much like our our uh, cat scratch fever friend, I think we've given Varg enough airtime today. Uh, do you have any do you have any heavy metal news over there? Oh man, no. I uh did you see that Matt Hafey and uh Chuck Billy did a little duet song on Hafey's YouTube channel? I can't remember I the name not. of it, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It sounds sort of like new trivium with Hafey and Billy doing different parts. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for huh. what it is. Okay. Okay. I enjoy it. You know, I, I don't have heavy metal news, but I, I did have a, a, a Brian take that I want to get. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I remember oh, this. Oh, okay. my take. Oh, OK. I want I want your take. Have you heard Infected Rain, the band? Hmm. Uh, no, I have not. Infected Rain, uh, R-A-I-N, like the weather? Yes, correct. OK. Um, they are an I'll say an up and coming band. I mean, they've released a couple of albums. They've had some songs, yada, yada, all that kind of stuff. Um, but to me, they seem to be riding the same wave that like in this moment started and Ginger is now 
a part of where they're like they're a metal band and they've got a hot model lead singer. Mm-hmm. The thing is, um, though, is that Ginger actually has some credibility, whereas in this moment was just not good. Yeah, they had the one good album and then yeah. they were like, well, that's it for our creativity. <laughs> we're <laughs> yep, going to go dry. a different direction. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you don't do you are they good or are they just is it just a gimmick? They did a song. They've they've already released an album this year, as in 2022. So which just started, right? Right? Yeah. Which just started. So they 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 released a single. And the whole reason I looked into them is they did a single with um is it Heidi Shepherd from Butcher Babies? Okay. Um, and and I think. I mean, there's there's a reason a lot of people click that video, I think. And it's probably the fact that what's her name and Heidi are hugging in the thumbnail. You know what I mean? I don't want to I don't want to shove metalheads into the majority of metalheads into a box. But yes, I would agree with you that the a lot of the views are from. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll say damp men that need <laughs> to buy a larger size shirt. That's what I'll say. That is the majority of their views. Damp men is now my go-to phrase for a whole gr- a swath of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, when you say damp man, I feel like everybody immediately knows who you're talking about. You, you know, you know, when a man is damp, it's not by choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh Infected Rain they they formed in 2008 uh from and they're from Moldova. Um so it, it is interesting because um you know I don't know it's if I haven't heard the music and I'll listen to it after this episode to educate myself. But there are bands um one that comes to mind Spirit Box. Um she's a very attractive woman who fronts that band but they are getting critical acclaim. Uh, from 2021 to releasing one of the best albums of the year. And I wouldn't put it as the best album of the year, but it's definitely in my top 20 metal albums um, because they're not so, uh, like in this moment specifically trended toward trying to sell items based off of the image of their lead singer, right? They were yeah, a band, yeah. but they were leaning heavily into and maybe it was pressure from record labels whatever it was but they were definitely leaning into that um look and that feel of a band whereas somebody like spearbox you look at their albums and their photos and it's just like well yeah they're just a good band who happened to have a woman singer who is very talented right right and and, and so it's 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 tough to put all these bands in that in that kind of box right but especially in this moment right when I was working at Century Media, we had piles of Playboys laying around because Maria Brink did that interview for Playboy, right? So, right, right. There's there's one side, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk about. There's one side of knowing what you have in terms of band assets and capitalizing on it, right? Like, we've got a hot lady singer. Let's use that as an advertising tool right um but then you can almost go too far where it's like the music's taking a back seat to the hot lady singer or you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna flip it and reverse it 
uh, Adam Levine, right? Name another yeah. member of you Maroon can. 5. You don't have to. He's all five of them. Cause, uh, <laughs> it's it. It's yeah, it. Yeah. I, and it's, it was the same thing, too, with like uh, scene, this scene kids and everything. When you get the bands that have like their stereotypical, like, this is the hottest guy I've ever seen. They play to teenage girls in the scene world just as much as uh, somebody like Infected Rain or in this moment plays to the damp men of the metal world. <laughs> so it's to say, I mean, it's we're not just, it's it has nothing to do with sex or gender. Well, I mean, sex as a gender, but sex as the act has sold and will always sell no matter what sexuality you prefer. You just find the thing that sells to that audience that you're targeting and there you go. You have your selling. Yeah. How, how damp is your target audience? <laughs> yeah. How, uh, how hot does the lady need to be? Yep. Yep. And that's why, that's why Metallica did so well in the eighties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. boy. Okay. Let's move on. So this week we have, uh, two, I want to say similar, but also very explicitly different bands from each other. This week we have skeleton, Witch going against Kalma. Um, and do you have anything you want to say before you kick it off? Um, no, but I, I did a lot of research into both of these bands because I've like vaguely remembered that skeleton, Witch had like a big thing in their past and I forgot that it was, they kicked out their singer. Mm-hmm. So you've got skeleton, Witch, and I'm yeah. really excited to hear that story. And I, Hope you're going to talk about it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, real quick, can we pause? And I, I just got to actually write something unrelated real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, I'll, um, I'll go first. I got uh, I got old Kalma. Let me pull up the old notes here. Um, these guys are way older than I thought they were. Um, they were actually founded in 91 um, as Ancestor. Um, they were founded when Pekka Kokov, and it, there's a lot of Finnish names in here, so everybody give me some slack, please. Everybody relax. Uh, Leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, relax. Uh, Pekka Kokov, he is their vocalist and guitar player. And uh, Petri Sankla, who I'm fairly confident is a uh, keyboard player, but not sure. Um, they founded Ancestor. They recorded two demos. Um and then in 98, they broke up, right? Um, I'm sorry. I said two demos. They recorded five demos between 91 and 98 as Ancestor. Um, I don't know why why they didn't like get to the point where they recorded a full album, um, especially because they, they didn't like form the band, record five demos, and then everybody quit. They like literally just hired one more guy, renamed themselves, and recorded a single demo as Kalma, and they scored a record deal. Interesting. So I wonder I don't if know. that has to do, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't find any interviews or anything about the early days of Kalma other than the fact that they were a band called Ancestor whatever um so they redubbed themselves as kalma in like 98 or 99 um they recorded sveri or obzra their demo 
um, and got a contract with Spine Farm. So right out of the gate, they're pretty successful, which kind of makes sense um, because they, uh, you know, had recorded five demos already. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so uh, Sveri, Obzra, uh, got them the deal with Spine Farm. They wasted no time, headed right in the studio um, with Pekka on vocals and guitars, uh, Antti Kakov, who is related to Pekka, I think they're brothers, on uh, backup guitars, uh, Petri Is there an uncle Kakov? <laughs> no, 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 that's the vodka. Oh, so it's Auntie yeah. and, and Auntie Popov and Uncle Popov. Oh. That's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've got, uh, yeah. Okay. You see, you derailed me with your Auntie and Uncle. <coughs> I'm, the, I'm the conductor of this train. I got it. All right. So. One demo contract with Spine Farm. Uh, they went in the studio and recorded Swamp Lord in 2000. <coughs> well, um, so they recorded Swamp Lord and released it in the winter of 2000. Uh, the reception was well received, mostly by fans. Um, although they did get some critical acclaim. This was, you know, again in the early 2000s. This is when stuff like um, Bodum was really coming into their own. That whole like melodic death metal thing. Um, these guys were wrapped up in all of that. So this is all very fresh, very new. Um, and you know, something really I'll say for for these guys uh, along with Bodum is it's amazing. Uh, Bodum, Northern, Kalma all have maybe three of the strongest lead out al- or, or um, freshman albums. Like their their first albums are all so strong for being, I mean, they're all very similar, you know, that melodic death metal that sort of originated in Finland, that style of melodic death metal. But they're, the three albums of those three bands in particular are all so strong when you go back and realize, like, these, this was these dudes' first album. And of course, guys in Kalma, they had five demos worth of practice ahead of them, but it doesn't take away from the fact of how strong that album is. Right. Um yeah, absolutely. Whatever they're putting in the water in Finland makes them come up real quick, real young in the metal world, for sure. Um, so Swamp Lord came out. Um, <laughs> I pulled a lot of this stuff from Kalma's website. Uh, so <laughs> they do a lot of self-promotion in their like band description. <laughs> and this one, this one really made me laugh. According to their website, after releasing Swamp Lord, quote, the band did dozens of interviews and the praise from the scene kept flooding the Spine Farm office and the band's website. They also played a a few shows in Finland. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's just like how reviews of the Onslaught have been overwhelmingly positive and we keep getting calls from places to do a live show, but we just don't have the time for it. We don't have the time, you guys. We don't have Sleep. the time. Stop asking. We'll get to the emails when we can. Good Lord. So after doing dozens of interviews, <laughs> they finally found the time to get back to the studio and record their follow-up album, uh, They Will Return. Um, that was in November of 2001. 
they had a little bit of a lineup change. Um, uh, Petri, their drummer, was out, and uh, Ati, their guitar player, was also out. Uh, they were replaced by a couple of veteran guys um, uh, from uh, Catamania, just a band I've never heard of, um, on bass, and then a guy on the drums. Whatever. There's a lot Academia of Catamania is really good. They're they're uh, another melodic death metal band, and uh, I have a couple couple albums from them. They might be on season two of the onslaught. Who knows? Well, I'm glad you know who they are. I'd never <laughs> heard of them before. Um, so in summer 2002, uh, they played more gigs in Finland, but they had kind of their first major breakthrough. They played uh, Vakken, um, and then in the autumn, they started to write material for the next studio album. So in uh, February of 2003, they entered the studio to record uh, Swamp Song, which I think is the perfect starting point for their discography. Um, Not that Swamp Horde and They Will Return are bad albums, but I think Swamp Song is the album that really defined what they wanted to sound like. Um, And they... They progress from here. They they change up their sound a lot, but I think Swamp Song is this the 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 first album where they're really like, okay, this this is what we want to sound like, and and try and differentiate ourselves from the rest of the genre here. The the interesting factoid that I found about the recording of Swamp Song or the the after effects of Swamp Song is that uh, so it released in uh, uh, February of 2003 in 2004 um their keyboard player decided to quit and the rest of the band uh was actually wondering if if a keyboard player was even necessary for the band so they almost continued as a four-piece with no keyboard player um but they had a rehearsal with marco sneck from poison black uh, and decided to hire him and keep the keyboard. So that's one of those points where can you imagine Calmo releasing Black Waltz with no keyboards on it? Well, you know that is interesting because definitely later on they they lose more of the melody and get a little bit more aggressive, uh, just as far as the keyboards go. But I think it would have just increased that maybe quicker than. Then they would, you know, they would have transformed to that more aggressive, less melodic sound, maybe a little quicker, and that would have been very strange. Yeah, they would have been way thrashier, you know. But again, going from Swamp Song to stuff like Twelve Gauge or Seventh Swampfony right away would have been whatever, something else. Quite um, the jump. Quite the jump. So in 2005, uh, they entered the studio um, and recorded what I think a lot of people would call their best album uh it's black waltz um this is the first time in column history they charted uh in finland at 38 and really paved the way for how the band would sound you know moving forward the strength and success of waltz uh let them kind of stretch their legs musically a little bit um and they moved on to the next album, started writing almost immediately. Um, but the, even the band themselves says it takes about one to two years for 
the writing process to really mature, which I thought was interesting. So they, they start writing new material basically immediately. And then it takes two years for them to turn that material into the next album. Um, which I think makes sense that you're strict, you know, Oh, we had this song that we wanted to put on the album, but it's not quite ready yet. We're going to take it. We're going to tinker with it for two years and maybe it'll be ready for the next thing. Um, I, I think it also shows a lot of maturity for a band that, uh, hasn't toured outside Finland yet to take two years to put out an album, especially when you've just charted. Um, At that time, they hadn't toured outside of Finland yet? Not not wow. according to anything I found. Wow. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't do that until their next album, uh, For the Revolution, um, came out in 2008 and was even more successful than black waltz they charted in finland at 17 and for the first time they played shows outside finland uh doing an eight stop canadian tour um after that 2010 saw 12 gauge um and they had another another canadian tour um i don't know why finland and canada are the two places they're going um but after they get I, I guess you know uh, you tour what you know <laughs> yeah it's like football teams they play better in the same climate um yeah but after they got back from canada uh it was the first time to play big summer festivals um they got invited to metal camp and summer breeze that year which w- was so strange to me I, I don't I don't know how the European metal scene works, and maybe somebody can explain it to me. But how do you spend like what between two thousand and two thousand ten playing shows basically only in Finland? Then you get invited to metal camp and summer breeze. And if you know how the European music scene works, you can email us at the onslaught pod at gmail.com. Let us know how, like how it works. What, why <laughs> bands go from touring locally to playing giant metal festivals in Europe. Uh, cause honestly I, I'm, I'm with Vargas here. I have no idea how that stuff works. I know here bands will play locally for years and years and years and then get to a local metal fest on like, you know, like a Kansas city only metal fest, but, I don't know how it works when it's like an international fest like that. Yeah, I I don't know how bands go from, you know, oh, we've played some gigs and we've released two albums. Now we do an international tour. Oh, then we come back home and do a festival. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I don't understand it. Maybe you need album sales or record label backing or what. I, I don't get it. So yeah, email us and let us know, head of whatever record label. <laughs> head of, of heavy metal fans at uk.com. Yeah. Um, so after doing Metal Camp and Summer Breeze in 2012, um, they 
lost their keyboardist again. Uh, Marco, the guy from Poison Black, stepped aside. And they got a new guy in there, uh, Velmati Kanan. Um, and the band recorded Seventh Swampfany in the June of 2013. Um, after that, <clears throat> they did recording for Paulo. Uh, they took about five years off. Again, according to the band's website, things like building a house and moving to Helsinki put a real damper on their recording process. Um, this is another kind of interesting thing that I found that they, they recorded Paulo almost individually. So, like, they would record drums with, you know, the drum guy in, in a studio in a Helsinki or whatever and then they sent all the stuff out, out to the next member of the band in a different studio across the country um, yeah, recording like that has always fascinated me because it's not it, I feel like it's such a mechanical feel versus being in the same room or at least he, having the people you know in the same room as in they're watching from the studio side while you're playing and they can give live feedback versus it just mechanically doing your part, making sure it's perfect and then sending it in. Well, and, or even just having like one guy there to be like, Oh, he kind of, he played it like this or, you know, having, having one person at least as the piece of glue that holds this album together. But I'm not a professional musician. So I, I guess I don't, I don't know how these dudes did it. Um, but I really wanted to throw that in there because I think it takes either a, you need to know the dudes in your band like in and out. And I guess after almost 20 years of working together, they might, or you need to be like the definition of professional to be able to get a track that's unfinished and lay down your parts totally by yourself and then just email it out to the next guy or whatever. Um, and again, that just feels so, so mechanical and so like a machine based versus the creative monster that is a heavy metal band. So it's very, very strange. Yeah. Um, so Paulo came out in April of 2018 um, and I couldn't find anything saying that they're doing a new album. I can't imagine that they wouldn't be. Um, they're still active and we're pretty much due for a new calm um this year or the next uh hopefully covid didn't destroy their creativity too badly um apollo was a, a real um, um evolution of their sound though so i don't see the creative juices of calma dying down anytime soon uh i really like this band and every album from them is a little bit different a little bit fresher um, in in my personal opinion, Bry guy, do you do you have any hard opinions on Kalma? I think their first three albums are some of the best melodic death metal that has come out of of uh, Finland and out of that scene. But I everything that they you know, just like you said, they don't make bad albums in my opinion i still like all the stuff they do but whenever whenever people are like give me you know 10 songs that really nail down the style of melodic death metal there's going to be a calma song from their first three albums on that list um 
and I haven't, you know, it's funny there. I was, I just pulled up their Wikipedia page while you were giving me the the real facts. And it's kind of annoying because it, it's almost like Wikipedia doesn't acknowledge that they're a band until 12 gauge because they only have, they only talk about yeah. the three, the latest three albums on there. And that's kind of a, kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, this is, they're really one of those bands that, that kind of take a backseat to the real heavy hitters like, uh, Northern like Children of Bodom, but I think if if you're a fan of either of those bands, you absolutely need to get in there and give Kalma a try because they're as good, if not better, than those bands any day of the week. So, and they'll be on the playlist. So make sure you, you on Spotify. So make sure you check that out. That uh, should have been live yesterday, and we'll stay up for good. Uh, so that brings us to Skeleton Witch. Um, which is a, a much younger band, but uh, no less no less heavy. So formed at Ohio University in 2003 by friends and guitarists Nate Garnett and Scott Hedrick, Skeleton Witch would go through numerous lineup changes and turmoil before releasing one of the best black metal albums of the past three decades in 2018. But before then, they would release consistently good, if a little rough around the edges, blackened death thrash metal that would never disappoint in 2004 now a full band including nate's older brother chance garnett on vocals skeleton which would release their first demo called at one with shadows by 2007 they were signed to prosthetic records which i thought was pretty interesting that they only released one demo and then three years later were signed to Prosthetic Records, one of the bigger record labels here in the U.S., uh, and would release their first full-length album that same year called Beyond the Permafrost. They would tour with Danzig in support of that album in 2008, which I thought was a funny funny little mashup, uh, Skeleton Witch touring with Danzig. They toured, they so toured the, with Danzig to support their first album? Yeah. That's insane. That's yeah. a huge uh, get for a young you, band. And, and again, that's something where I, I feel like it's very U.S. based, where you see like people, young, younger metal bands touring with like older metal legends, uh, or, or even in this case, you know, more of a, that hard rock uh, punk type. But it's still it's very strange to see. I, I don't see that a lot, or maybe I just, maybe I'm just ignorant to it uh, overseas, but, um, it's definitely something that hap- seems to happen a lot here in the U S uh, for the next five years, skeleton, which would become a machine releasing an album every two years after be- after beyond the permafrost, they would release the following albums, breathing fire, Forever Abomination and Serpents Unleashed. The last two albums, Forever Abomination and Serpents Unleashed, would land on the Billboard Top 200 at 153 and 62, respectively. Uh, again, any band, any heavy metal band getting on the Billboard Top 200, cracking uh, even the Top 100 uh, is pretty impressive. And they got all the way to 62 um, with Serpents Unleashed. Uh, it would also crack... Like Skeleton Witch. Exactly. That's you know we we had that conversation I think with the uh, Black Dahlia murder uh, and the Legion and stuff and then these bands cracking these these big numbers. Um, Serpents Unleashed would also crack the top ten of the U.S. independent albums and the U.S. hard rock album charts. This is also the last album with vocalist Chance Garnett. So like I said, they became a machine. They released five albums, one every two years, and it was 
very i mean i know uh one thing that irritates vargas a little bit um if you, if you listen to beyond the permafrost especially for whatever reason if you don't listen to it all in a row right if you if you have it on shuffle or if it becomes on shuffle or you listen to one song at a time uh the ending of every song on that album will be the beginning of the next song but you you hear that little half second snippet of the start of the next song at the end of the track you just listened to, and it drives you fucking bananas. Yeah, because you're releasing a professional album and you can't just move the end of the song like a half a second earlier. Yeah, it definitely sounds like whoever mastered it like missed the missed the mark of the click and drag section for for cuts by like half a second on every single yeah, one like they were like okay the end of the song's here how long is this song uh three minutes and t- 24 seconds okay good enough next like <laughs> yeah come on man yeah listen to it <laughs> yeah uh th- during this time of course they would tour furiously and they would uh kind of build up when when bands go on tour and you see them multiple times we've seen gojira a bunch uh you kind of you kind of get connected to the band or the band members. They they each have their own personality on stage, which may or may not be um, indicative of of their personality off stage. But you get to know these people in a sort of fan band way, um, and that's true with Skeleton Witch. Um, and in 2014, Chance Garnett, their vocalist, brother of Nate Garnett. Uh, would play his last show with the band before going on hiatus. Less than a week later, he would be charged with assault and battery and released on bail. He was then formally fired from the band the same year, and the official statement had to do with alcohol abuse for which he sought treatment. Uh, I don't obviously don't want to get into any of there. We don't know really anything that that's going on, but it was a permanent. Um, removal from the band so i don't know if if maybe you know the best thing for him was to not be in the band um or if the band just thought the best thing for the band would to not have him around anymore Uh, maybe again for his own safety who knows we don't know like i said that's not our place to get into but it would lead to about a five-year hiatus um from uh, of the band from a full-length album um so that's you, that's the thing you were alluding to at the top, the big change, uh, because it made a lot of fans feel because again, with the connection they had and his vocal styles, very, uh, very unique, but it has been, it was described by Scott Hedrick as another instrument in the band. It's not like losing Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. The, the, the interesting thing that I read, cause again, I was like, I know they had a thing that was like big, and then they came back from it. So I, I read a Pitchfork article that talked about his firing because he was fired. He didn't yep. decide to leave. Um, and basically it was down to like the the quote that I remember from that article was um, it was Nate talking about the 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 way he handled himself, the way Chance handled himself. And he said, um it's impossible to get fired from Skeleton Witch for drinking too much because everybody suff- in that band suffers from alcohol dependency at one level or another. Um, right. But he said, he said that it's the things that you do once you've had too much that get you fired. So yeah, and that that makes total. That's the you know that's the difference between um, Metallica being with Dave Mustaine 
and not being with Dave Mustaine, you know, because the same, same kind of things is the things he would do did not mesh well with the bands, the, what the rest of the band would do. So, um, and I, I assume getting charged with uh, domestic assault and battery of a family member also has to do with, with the way he was carrying himself. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, uh, that is that, that whole thing. So a five year hiatus from a full length album. However, two years later, in 2016, the band would release Apothic Gloom, an EP featuring their new vocalist who hadn't really been announced, hadn't played any live shows. Um, The fans first foray into this new vocalist was through Apothic Gloom. Uh, His name was Adam Clemens. Clemens was a member of an early member of Veil of Maya which I think would surprise a lot of people. Uh, and more recently is in Wolvammer, uh, who often get mislabeled as NSBM, which is National Socialist Black Metal. So neo-Nazi black metal or Nazi black metal. Um, and everyone in Wolvehammer has vehemently been like, no, 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 no. Just because we have the same sonically... We, we sound similar sonically does not mean that we are affiliated with any kind of Nazism, race, any kind of that. So that was good to find out that that was because I saw it on a few articles or a few little blurbs of NSBM. And I was like, what is what is NSBM? And then I looked it up and I was like, hmm, I better dive into this just uh, just a little bit more. <laughs> uh, and luckily, yeah, it's not Wolfhammer is not is not part of that scene, which is uh, unfortunate that there even is a scene. But as we talked up top, people uh, people like Varg often find success in those little niches. So uh, the official statement brought with it a lot of doubt and anger from quote unquote fans, uh, and I, th- I believe this had to do with him. Uh, being in Veil of Maya, which is not looked on favorably by a lot of metalheads. They're more of that metalcore, hardcore type. Uh, in an interview, sc- guitarist Scott Hedrick said that every date, countless fans would come to the merch table, merch table and apologize for talking shit because Clemens, quote-unquote, killed it on stage. Um, Dude, fucking another- roast them. <laughs> yeah, man. And in another interview, I was uh, watching Ch- uh, Chance. Uh, sorry, Nate was uh, saying how they specifically picked three old crowd pleaser songs whenever on their first tour um, with uh, with Adam and Adam crushed it every, <clears throat> every time. And then they would go into stuff from Apothic Gloom just to show because it is a different vocal style. It's a little bit more melancholy. It's much more traditional black metal than chance was, but uh, just to show that the new guy can still kick it with the old songs. Uh, Apothic gloom would also usher in a new direction for the band. As I mentioned previously, gone were the thrashy metal foundations of the songs, which were replaced by the darkened heartbeat of pure black metal. Still not a quote-unquote true, and I did spell true with a V, black metal band by the standards of the hipsters at their parents' computers. As I said up top, Skeleton Witch has released some of the best black metal in the past three decades, and I will 100% die on that hill. If anybody in their parents' basement on their computer wants to write in, you can do that. At the onslaught pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, uh, the onslaught podcast, same for Instagram. So if you want to talk that shit, I'm here to catch that shit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to responding to a lot of tweets from Damp Boy69420. 
<laughs> yeah. Hey, blaze it, bro. You know, that's all you can say to those guys. <laughs> so in 2018, uh, they would release their first full-length album in five years with Devouring Radiant Light, which was produced by Kurt Ballou, who any metal fan should be aware of at this point. The album was ranked sixth out of Decibel's top 40 albums of 2018. Not metal albums, just albums. That's a pretty big get on Decibel. Oh, it yeah. has been received incredibly well by fans and also converted some people who were not into Skeleton Witch to start with uh, and converted them into fans. And I'm extremely excited to see where this, what direction this band keeps going. I, I hope it, can, it is in the same direction of Apothic Gloom and Devouring Radiant Light. Um, so quick, quick little uh, um, fun facts. I guess Vargas, you're you're aware of this story, but um, our friend, our a friend of the show and co-host of Debates on Tap, which uh, we're a part of, you can also check that out every Monday. Um, uh, friend of the show, Brendan, was playing with his band Muzzleloader at a 2009 festival that was headlined by Testament, um, and it was a big festival. There were a bunch of bands there. Skeleton, which was one of the bands, um, and. Much like, do you remember the first time you saw Queens of the Stone Age and you remember Josh Homme uh, hitting the mic on the cymbal and that first impression has stayed with you and never left you? And and for whatever reason, now every time you hear Queens of the Stone Age, you just cannot like them because of that shit? Yeah, he just took the mic and like windmill <laughs> spun it and was smashing a cymbal with it. Like, what are you doing, guy? Yeah, so much like that, uh, Brendan's first encounter with Skeleton, which they were on stage, and uh, they said something to the effect, and I, I'll get the last three words right, but something to the effect of this, uh, we're Skeleton Witch, and we're all about drugs, pussy, and Satan, but he did it in his metal voice, and Brendan was just like on off stage, you know, off stage right, and was just like, what the fuck is this guy, like, what are we doing up here? <laughs> Uh, and for whatever reason, it just, you know, it rubbed him wrong at the time. And, uh, uh, he's never, never, every time, you know, every time skeleton, which comes up around Brennan, I just always think of that. And I'm like, yeah, he's never gonna, he's never going to be a fan of skeleton, Witch, no matter how good they are. Cause he'll never get that, <laughs> that experience out of his head. So, uh, but that's a, that's we a lot of fun. Show him, we should show him devouring radiant light and tell him it's from which skeleton, this new band we found. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just, uh, you know, but it is, it it is cool that our, our good friend was able to not only see them, but to play, uh, with his own band at a test, uh, at a Testament headlined festival in 2009. That's, that's pretty cool. I was here in Kansas city. Oh man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad you were able to tell that story because, uh, your back looked a little sore. I'm glad you were able to drop all those names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's not, uh, you know, it's the whole third degree of separation. I, me and Chuck Bailey were pretty cool. Uh, you know, we email back and forth every once in a while. So no big deal. I just, uh, it's whatever. He's a, Brennan's a doctor too. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So there you have it. There is Skeleton Witch versus Kalma. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you are staying safe out there, uh, doing, you know, doing everything you can to, to, make someone's day a little better. That's what we hope we're doing here. Uh, as much fun as we like to have, except Varg. I don't want to make Varg's day any better. I would like to make his days more difficult, if I'm being honest. Yeah, you know, like me, if he would just get some ass, he'd probably be a little better. 
That was. I feel like you've been uh, you've been stewing on that one, waiting for me to say Varg again. You know, like a like a good red sauce. That joke <laughs> yeah. took a lot of simmering, a lot of time, a lot of spice. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get it out at the right moment, or else you, it gets burnt, and then it's no longer good. So I think you did a fantastic job getting that red <laughs> sauce out. Uh, make sure to make sure you you vote. You got it. You gotta vote. That's how this whole thing works. You can vote on our Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are at the onslaught podcast and then you can email us if you don't have social media at the onslaught pod at gmail.com uh subscribe to us we're on all the big ones all the little ones uh google play apple spotify uh and spotify is also where our playlist comes out every every tuesday so uh i think that's it right that's it man all right well we'll see you guys next week and never forget your favorite band sucks